savings technology because we've been without it now for so long. Some people don't even know what it is. Some, like, you know, if, if you're in your 20s, you've never known an interest rate above, above a percent. Um, the, the, the ability to save has been stripped away from us. It's been done purposefully. Let's absolutely go. My name is Patrick and welcome to the Bitcoin Pitch Podcast, where I'll chat with anyone in Bitcoin. I don't care if you're a pleb, anon, or OG, you'll be giving us your Bitcoin elevator pitch and answer some quick hitting Bitcoin questions that will be beneficial to newcomers. The goal of the show is to keep it short and sweet for all those people you are trying to orange pill. Today's guest is someone who quit the nine to five years ago in order to travel with his family full time to actually experience life. He is the host of the Once Bitten podcast and author of the book, Choose Life, the one and only Daniel Prince. Daniel consistently puts out great content, deep diving into Bitcoin and its effects on everyday life and society. Here's my conversation with Daniel Prince. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Patrick, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Daniel? Yeah, it's going well, brother. It's going well. You can see I'm just in a car. We, <laughs> yeah. Uh, meaning we're out here at a, um, a homeschoolers community's uh, picnic and uh, the kids are just going crazy. <clears throat> and a bunch of their friends turned up just as I was texting you. Like, can we push this half an hour? I, I, could, see, I could see where this was going to go because they're yeah. all now running in the lake and shit. Right. I'm going to try these headphones, but I don't think they work. Uh, do I sound any better at the moment? Or I mean, sound- you sound good right now. Um, so, I mean, it's up to you if you want to try the headphones. Yeah, they're, they're actually not working. Right? I thought the mic might work. But not I know what's going to happen next. It's going to start pissing down. They're going to come get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> All right. So, let's try and do this. You, you, uh, if I remember rightly, you were saying like uh, you wanted to try and do like uh, a 20-minute pitch type style. So yeah, to kind of start off, if you kind of just want to give some uh, kind of information, background on yourself, what you kind of used to do, um, and kind of what you've done with your family once you kind of left uh, your role uh, there. So, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. That might take the full 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you can try to keep it brief. So it's no worries. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, yeah. I'll, I, you know, I'll try and set it up. Okay. So the age of 19, I was done with academic studies. I, I just couldn't hack that anymore. Uh, so I did not follow the, the, I was probably one of the, the last generations where it was not expected for you to go to university. So I, I found my way into the workplace uh, without too much social pressure over, you've got to go to university, you've got to get a degree in this, that, and the other thing. So I found my way into foreign exchange brokerage at the age of 19 in the city of London working on the dollar mark spot desk. So there's a lot of fiat involved in this, this, this career of mine, which spanned um, 17 years in foreign exchange markets and the last year of my career in, in commodity markets. So there I was as a young man walking into the, the dragon's den of spot dollar mark, which uh, is the US dollar against the German Deutschmark at the time, where before the euro even existed uh, so there you go ladies and gentlemen proof again that uh, fiat currencies die very very quickly and almost overnight uh the the, the german deutschmark at that time was the most exchanged currency against the us dollar by volume by a long long way 
Um, and then all of a sudden, overnight, seemingly it turned into uh, into euro. And uh, we have this one single currency now that governs God knows how many countries over here, which has just been a, a complete disaster for the self-sovereignty of, of the company, of the countries, may as well call them a company, that gave up their own currencies. Um, I spent the bulk of my career in Singapore. It's 15 years. Uh, that's where I, I, I spent the bulk of my career and, and built my career. Uh, I left the um, foreign exchange markets in 2012, end of, and then I, I left um, markets altogether in early 2014. I read a book called The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, which is more directed at uh, like uh, younger, like 20 to 35 year olds looking to build their first business or take on their first entrepreneurial kind of role. Uh, for me, as a 37 year old married with four kids and a career, um, it wasn't supposed to really change my mind as much as it did, but I got straight off the hamster wheel. Uh, I read the book in November 2013, read it five times, and by March 2014, the um, it, it, you know the, the plan had been put into full effect. I'd quit my job, resigned. We had given notice to our landlord on on the house, and we had started selling everything we owned. We took uh, the kids out of school. We had four kids. The the two youngest at the time, they were just getting into like kindergarten and all that kind of stuff but the older two that they'd been in the school system for a few years took them out and started traveling and we traveled long term for two and a half years uh, via um uh, the method of home swapping uh so we have we had bought and we still own uh we bought it 16 years ago um a vacation uh, property in Koh Samui in Thailand and we used that instead of just Airbnb and long-term rentals and whatever else we used it uh, to leverage ourselves into the home swapping community which I didn't know existed until that particular moment and we found people all over the world willing to swap their homes so all of a sudden we had free accommodation and we had an itinerary right in itself uh, so we, we went for two and a half years and fell into world schooling which is basically homeschooling, but on the road and using your surroundings uh, to layer on experiences and um, cultural ideas, testing the local food, sights, sounds, history, geography. It was um, it was pretty immense. It was I, I recommend anybody do it with with young families or you know even teens. Yeah, it, it's such a great way for family to connect and for everybody to learn because my wife and I, we were learning just as much as the kids were at the same time. So that pulled us down the rabbit I'll use air quotes, alternative education, which we are still heavily into. Uh, we have three out of our four kids um, online schooling with GalileoXP.com. That's a self-directed education platform. Uh, our oldest is going through, uh, she's 16, so she's trying to get her certifications at the local high school. Um, Bitcoin came along and found me at the back end of 2015. That's a lie. I knew about it earlier, but like every other numpty that hears about Bitcoin for the first time, you don't buy it and you think it's a load of shit. And I remember, vividly remember seeing on the front page, I think it was the International Herald Tribune that I was reading in Singapore, on the front page of that, um, about Mount Gox. And I remember feeling very smug, thinking, 
uh, what were they saying? You know, like, what did they expect? Like, you don't just go up making your own currency and not expect the worst. But I thought that was, I thought Mount Gox, like, invented Bitcoin. You know, I thought that was it. I thought, you know, I thought Bitcoin Inc. was done. Um, again, like, looking back, like, the hubris that you have when you're in that fiat sphere is so damn impenetrable. It really is. And this is why we're having so such a difficult time getting through to these people that are still on Wall Street, what Bitcoin is, because they're, you know, they're, they're surrounded in this iron bubble. Um, so 2000, uh, back end of 2015, I really started going down the rabbit hole. And that's when I started, uh, you know, interacting with it and learning about it and dabbling with it. Fast forward to 2019, um, I'd been through the cycle, I'd held, I'd stacked, still wasn't fully down the rabbit hole. That information, you still had to go looking for it. But then, bam, we had this explosion of content that came out of nowhere. And that got me up to speed so damn quick. Uh, and then I realized exactly what I had. And then I realized oh shit i've got a responsibility now to share the knowledge that that i've accrued and give back to the community and give back to the people that are following me so it's stuck in my head for about six to nine months that perhaps i should start some kind of project maybe that should be a podcast maybe i should do some writing i did write an article actually got zero likes um and then i settled on the project of a podcast and i couldn't believe the feedback that that i started getting and i i was very um taken aback by the ease at which people were willing to give up their time to come on and talk to a brand new podcaster uh, and you, you know you name them like as you know say for dna moose uh, michael saylor jeff booth preston pish uh, all of these guys you know that they, they came on early and i was like whoa this is this is crazy and I can't stop this now. I have to keep pushing, you know, what, what Bitcoin is. So that's my, that's my passion. That's where I am in life now. Uh, I'm dedicating all of my time to, to this and, uh, and this project. Um, I love helping out the plebs. Uh, you know, if anyone's releasing a new book, I love to bring them on and talk about it so they can discuss their ideas. I like hearing pleb stories. And um, yeah, I, 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 I feel the show is quite rounded with, what, what you regard as kind of bigger names in the space and then just a complete no one pleb with like 75 followers uh it's i love talking to all of them and yeah um, i'd have to say you're doing now yeah sorry to cut you off i'd have to say that's something that i definitely enjoy you know about your podcast you'll bring on someone that no one even knows and it doesn't even matter they have a good story to, to, to tell so um I, I also wanted to point out you said you had wrote an article that got zero likes but you didn't mention that you wrote a book too so I don't know oh, yeah. if you want to talk about that because um, definitely a good book and I definitely highly recommend. So, yes, that's true. Okay, thank you, thank you for laying up <laughs> that shield. Uh, yeah, the book the book is called Choose Life. I've been um, lucky enough to get some incredible feedback from first of all, like the those people that I wrote it for in the first place were the people like aged my age, kind of. 35 to 45 painted themselves into a career into that corner can't get out they've got the 2.4 kids the white picket fence the dog the two cars mortgaged up to their eyeballs but hate their job and just want to escape 
Uh, so I wrote the book, directed at them, and it was about our experience and me jumping off the, the hamster wheel. And I just wanted people to know that someone has done it before. And I've met a ton of other people that have done it before. There is a community out there. And if you don't want to learn from me, you know, find another family that are doing it and learn from them. You know, find a family that is exactly the same age kids as yours, maybe from the same country. They're all out there. Like I'm surrounded by them this afternoon. That The stories are just amazing. You know, there's people turning up in camper vans have been driving around Europe for two years. Uh, it's, um, it's crazy. And someone's always done it before you. You just got to find them and learn from them. And that's why I wrote the book. And now the Bitcoin community are picking up on it. And I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think the word Bitcoin is mentioned once. Um, because at the time I wrote it, I wasn't, you know, fully down the rabbit hole. I was writing the book in 17. Uh, so I'd been stacking, but I, and I knew in the back of my mind, I knew this was going to be a, a great investment to hold to long term and an asymmetrical bet coming from financial markets. I saw that side of things, understood scarcity and understand how markets work. And if something's scarce, it's going to go up in price, no matter what. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the Bitcoin community picked up on it because these guys have moved, uh, removed money from state. It's only natural. Next step, you remove education from state for your family. Because if you want to go self-sovereign and you got fuck you money, you don't need their education system. And their education system is set up in such a fashion that it is, it's, it's set up just to breed obedience, uh, nationalism, and... It's, it's pretty sick when you, when you lift the skirt on what's actually going on. Um, and when you see it, you can't unsee it. So the Bitcoin community now are really, really questioning it. And thankfully, COVID has sped that up because people have managed to, those that have got kids, have seen the kind of work that's coming at home and seen how uninspiring it is and um, how, how, quite frankly, pointless, pointless it is. And it's not going to serve them for their future. The, the, the opportunity cost is huge, absolutely huge. And at the end of the day, you just ask yourself, well, do I want to put my trust of my kids' education squarely in the crosshairs of the state? And if you've got a little question about that, there's a rabbit hole for you to fall into. And it's really very, very interesting. So that's where my two parts cross over. I see the Bitcoiners becoming homeschoolers and I see homeschoolers becoming Bitcoins. And uh, anything I can do between those communities to try and bridge that, that gap, I'm more than happy to, um, to talk about it and, and help people. Yeah, definitely say um, it's definitely a hold side rabbit hole to go down for sure. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for teachers. My, my wife is a teacher, so I kind of uh, understand that. Um, but I think there are definitely levels to where it almost kind of stunts the creativity of a child kind of thing. And I don't want to go completely down the rabbit hole. Like I said, it's completely different trying to keep it short, but I can definitely uh, appreciate everything you're talking about there. So one thing, one thing on teachers, and this is really, really important because uh, a lot of teachers and a lot of people think it's just like a rally against them. It's not, it's a rally against the system. And I understand that teachers are stuck in the system just as much as the kids system for money. They go into that system because they they have a calling. They want to work with young people. They want to shape their lives. They want to mentor them. They want to help them. They want to shape them. And it's it's so uh, it was really insidious that, that what's happening that you know teachers are just being turned into kind of like uh, state nodes 
this is the curriculum. This is what you got to teach. This is the timeline you teach it at. And these are the books you teach it from. All decisions are made for them. And now they just become this delivery mechanism and this authoritative kind of figurehead in the classroom. Keep them sat down, keep them shut up, make sure that you keep them up to schedule. The schedule is impossible to keep up with because you can't maybe wave a magic wand over 30 kids and make them understand. So the teachers are just getting drilled and it's really disgusting. Uh, the, the, the online platforms that are coming out now, we find, because I work very, very closely with Galileo, um, we find that the teachers that escape the, 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 the legacy education system are so much happier when they come across and start facilitating the clubs and overseeing some of the clubs that uh, get run on Galileo because they know the kids that turn up because it's self-directed. Say, let's say your wife's a history teacher, whatever, and her passion is to teach a certain period of history. She could run that course throughout like uh, the six month period. And the only kids that are going to show up are the ones that choose to. There's no compulsion. They're there because they want to. So imagine that. Now on a Zoom call, you've got possibly five to 15 kids all engaged with a teacher who's teaching what she is passionate about. And it's, it, it makes such a mockery of the, the, the system we have right now that the teachers, they engage better, they make a bigger difference and they make more money and they can be location independent. Yeah. This it, is where we're heading. Yeah, it, so makes, it makes complete sense too. Um, and I mean, I can... I think a lot of people that just start learning about Bitcoin too is like you, you, yeah, you learn about Bitcoin, but you also learn about a million other different things. And that, that's something that I've picked up in the past year and a half is that, um, yeah, I learned about Bitcoin first, but then it wanted me to, it, it led me down roads, roads that I never thought I would want to learn about. So um, it's definitely a lot more than just Bitcoin. So totally agree. Um, so, so kind of just to, to get to the ultimate pitch that you might have, I do have a, some quick hitting questions first to, before we get to kind of your Bitcoin elevator pitch, if you had to give one. Um, so the first one is kind of, in your opinion, what is the worst Bitcoin FUD that people need to research more about, uh, and be better informed? <clears throat> bad, bad for the environment. They, they need to understand what, what's truly going on, proof of work. Um, the, 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 the potential Bitcoin has to harness wasted energy and turn that into something, you know, that, that holds value that can then elevate that company and, you know, improve research, research and design. Um, you can build, you can build communities around it in remote parts of, um, of the world. You can, you can truly now make stranded energy, uh, you know, available and plausible. It's going to unleash so much innovation around how we create, use, transport, store energy. Point now with with this ability to do all of this stuff that could just explode humanity onto a whole new different level you know such as fossil fuels did in the first place but people are missing it and they don't get it and they're just too happy to read the the headlines that you know bitcoin boils the oceans and it uses more electricity than a small country and you know that they're, they're 
so much nihilism, uh, you know, baked into people, especially now the poor youngsters, that we've got a lot of work as Bitcoiners to, to unravel. And, you know, let's start there. Let's, let's take the fear away about, uh, you know, Bitcoin is bad for the environment and, and help people understand its true potential. Love it. Definitely agree. Um, so next kind of question is, and you kind of touched upon it already when you were going over your background. Um, if you could go back in time, convince yourself to learn more about Bitcoin the first time you heard about it, what would you say to yourself and why? And one caveat, though, is you can't say the price is just going to go bananas. <laughs> Which I know is the, the huge driver. Uh, what would I... I... <laughs> I would love to go back and say, you know, learn more about it, read about it. But there was such little that, you know, unless you were close to the spigot of the cypherpunk email list, uh, you know, that, that there wasn't um, what was even going on back there. Like Twitter wasn't that active, maybe Reddit. Um, yeah, I'd love to go back and, and just like whisper in my ear. Just take another look. So I guess maybe maybe a better question is because, like you said, that the first time you heard about it was really early. Maybe it's better to say if someone's listening to this for the first time, they don't know anything about it. Um, what would you kind of say to them to get them to learn more so they don't forget about it? And, you know, how do you learn best? Do you prefer to read? And if you like to read, do you like articles or do you like books? You know, you know, for, figure that out first. You know, who are you? How do you learn? What's your best technique? If it's YouTube, go to YouTube. If it's podcast, go to podcast. If it's a book, pick up the Bitcoin standard. Pick up layered money. Pick up Hazlitt's Economics 101. You know, these are easily digestible books. Um, if it's articles, just get on Medium. Just, you know, go, go, go find Parker Lewis's blogs go go read breed loves posts um if it's podcasts head over to guy swan you know bitcoin audible because he reads the articles for you you know it's a it's the ultimate cheat code uh, every article ever written about bitcoin pretty much guy has done it and he's even narrated some of the books uh, and you can get all that for free and if you're listening just bang it up to 2x like this is matrix stuff, you know, it's uh, download it into your brain, into your cortex and let's go. But be honest with yourself, understand how you best are going to learn and interact with the content uh, because that will save you a lot of time. If you just read it, if you just go buy a book and you haven't read a book in two years, like forget it, it's pointless. Choose that, that medium that really resonates with you and, and, and go nuts on it. Yeah. So you, you kind of already answered my, my next question. You dropped so many different names, books, podcasts. Yeah. Mine was going to be, you know, if you could recommend one. So I'm just going to leave it at all the ones that you've already said, because that's good enough, I think. So, um, yeah. so to kind of get to the, the end of the uh, podcast, if you had five minutes to um, give an elevator pitch to someone about Bitcoin, uh, what would you say? Um, would it be, you know, financial, philosophical, have to do with engineering, you know, many different things? What would you kind of say to kind of get them to get interested? Savings technology. Because we've been without it now for so long. Some people don't even know what it is. Some like, you know, if, if you're in your 20s, you've never known an interest rate above, above a percent. Um, the, the, the ability to save 
has been stripped away from us and it's been done purposefully. Uh, you know, back in the 80s, you could get 15% interest on your bank deposit. So you could take your wage each month, put it in there and you would compound and come the end of the year, you'd be okay. You know, it wasn't getting inflated away as quickly as today. So today you're left with ridiculous runaway inflation, which they lie about. CPI is a complete farce of a number, consumer price index, which they make up and they hand choose the basket of goods. It's complete nonsense. If they tell you CPI is like about 5.6, 6%, whatever it is, immediately multiply it by a minimum three, maybe even four to get to the real rate. And then think about, okay, well, if that's really running at 15, 20%, and I'm in a bank account that's giving me half a percent, if I'm lucky, or 1% on my savings, on the money that you work for, the time you give up away from your family, the effort that you put into that career, the asshole boss you have to report to that's just a complete office psychopath, the peers and colleagues around you that you can't depend on because they just want to get above you and get that next dangled carrot of a promotion. All these things that you have to deal with and then you give your money to the bank. Remember that. It's not your money, it's their money as soon as you give it to them. They give you a shit service in response uh, to, to receiving your, your cash. They give you zero on your savings. Not only that, they fractionally reserve whatever you give them. Whatever you give them, they multiply by 10 out of thin air on their magic balance sheet. So you're feeding the beast and you're getting nothing back. So Bitcoin is savings technology. It's, it's a parallel system that you can now at your, like you don't need permission from anybody to go and do this either. You don't need to fill out a piece of paper. You just download an app and you start buying 10 bucks of Bitcoin a day. And you do that for the next five years. I swear to you, you will move your retirement forward 20 to 30 years or you'll just throw it all in and go and live in a completely financially free way. It's, it's the, best, the best way, I think, that I can try and help people understand what it is. Look at it as a savings technology. Live your day-to-day -day fiat life. Take what you can. Put it into Bitcoin. Just hold it. Start learning how to take care of it. Put it on a hardware wallet, cold storage. Get it in your possession. Take control of your keys. All of this is easily done. It can be learned in a matter of weeks. Don't rush it. Lower your time preference. And we got this. We got well, this. I love it. I love it. So um, I guess kind of to follow up, you know, where can people follow you, learn more about what you do and what you're putting out? Sure. I am at Princey, P-R-I-N-C-E-Y-S-O-V. On Twitter, SOV stands for Store of Value, which we're talking about savings technology. Uh, you can find me there on Twitter, very active, um, very much into the memeing. Uh, I follow the memes. Uh, I'm not a memer per se. I, I throw a few out there just to mix it up and have a bit of banter with uh, some of the guys. Come join the fun. Um, please reach out, DMs anytime. You can find my book on Amazon, Choose Life. Uh, and my show, my podcast is uh, the Once Bitten podcast. 
it's been going for about a year and a half i'm up to episode 189 i think that um people can go and find across all the usual podcast platforms wherever you listen to them um and a quick shill for the the 21 ism crew that's 21 ism on twitter go follow those guys because i help them out with uh content interview a different person for them each month it's a great bitcoin community project that a lot of work is going into if you want to head to the website it's 21 ism all spelled out.com and obviously 21 million for those people that might be new to the space no dumb questions you can ask anything 21 million is the amount of bitcoin that will ever be minted into um circulation uh that's the hard cap that's the scarcity aspect that's what makes this asset so damn interesting and why you should own some awesome i love it dan well i appreciate it uh very much and i don't know if we're gonna chat after for a little bit but uh thanks again for coming on all right brother thank you for having me and yeah sure let's let's have a quick uh chat in the green room thanks so much daniel for coming on the show you will find in the show notes there are links to everything that was mentioned including where you can follow and find daniel's content If you got this far, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you feel you have a Bitcoin pitch to tell, I want you on the show. Feel free to reach out to me via Twitter at baby underscore Pat with two Y's and two T's or email me at bitcoinpitchpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.